We are parents, teachers, and educators. And like you, we're passionate about restoring our culture for Christ. This is Veritas Vox, the voice of classical Christian education. Welcome to Veritas Vox, the voice of classical Christian education. Today, again, we have Doug Wilson with us. Uh, If you happened to watch the first episode, you got a chance to hear Doug and I banter a bit. If you uh, did not watch the first one, I recommend you do that before jumping into the second one, because it's going to be a continuation. In fact, if you look carefully, you'll see that Doug and I didn't even change our shirts. And to be fully disclosing, we didn't even leave our seats. We stopped recording and we're starting again. Here we go. Doug, welcome. Thanks. Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> the, um, the thing that I see going on in the marketplace today, uh, and we tend to see this in our enemies, uh, our enemies being people who have no interest in operating biblically, uh, but it's the idea that they don't know how to disagree agreeably. But I would say that the style of uh, uh, rhetoric that we're talking about that uh, I think can be uh, described as satire, uh, a word that uh, you have uh, used and, and wrote about in the Serrated Edge, uh, can be called mockery and belligerence. And when it comes to disagreeing, it, it simply doesn't strike me as disagreeing agreeably. And I would say that from a gospel standpoint, that is a far more effective way of winning our enemies. You say? Okay, so I think that uh, there's a couple of um, things. The old joke comes to mind. You know, you can catch, uh, the rhetoric teacher said, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And the voice from the back of the class said, yeah, but who wants to catch flies? (laughs) Well, so that... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, well the, the, the point that I'm making is um, you're absolutely right. right? So uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians that we're to be speaking the truth in love. It's not enough just to speak the truth. You can't, de- you can't defend yourself by saying, but what I said was true. Right. Right. Uh, um, uh, Paul, Paul says in Colossians, let your speech be gracious seasoned with salt. But then when I ask myself, yeah, okay, great. Give me examples. What does that mean? One of the things that I want to do is recognize that my pattern for this is not my Victorian great-grandmother. My pattern should be the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus and so on. So, for example, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul um, is writing to the Galatian church because uh, the Judaizers and those saying you have to be circumcised to be saved were troubling them and diverting them from uh, the gospel that they had received. And the thing I want to point out is the juxtaposition. There's a pl- place in that letter where Paul says, I wish those who trouble you would go the whole way and cut the whole thing off. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah. All right. So that's one thing. But then just within a few verses of that, Paul says, make sure to love one another. Don't, uh, you, you need to love, don't bite and devour. 
right? Now, either Paul is a hypocrite or there is, there's a way of saying that these people should cut the whole thing off that's not inconsistent with his, with his charge to speak the truth in love, right? It's the same thing, same thing in Philippians where Paul tells us to rejoice and let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the humility and the, everything that Jesus displayed. But in Philippians, Paul says, be careful of those mutilators of the flesh, those dogs, right? So, um, so one of the things I want to do is I want to be a biblical man. And I want to have the things in tension in my life. I want to have be the same things that are in tension in the pages of the New Testament. Now, one of the things that I've seen over the years, and again, this is not meaning to talk about myself, is I know that my um, my persona in writing comes across very different. You know, if someone just read my satiric stuff, or they just read my blog, and they hadn't listened to any sermons, they you know they just read uh, my blog, and then they came to Moscow to visit, and we had dinner with them. And halfway through the dinner, they said something like, you know, you're kind of pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want to say for the listener that actually I know that would be true. <laughs> right. And I know that people are sometimes surprised by that. Right. Right. So one time I used to write a column for our regular newspaper, our, our print newspaper here many years ago. And a woman, and at the time, Nancy was a mom with the kids at home, and Nancy was selling fabric out of our out of our home. And a customer, a lady came to buy some fabric, and they were chatting, looking at fabric. And it slowly began to dawn on this woman who Nancy was. And she finally said, "Are you are you married to Doug Wilson?" And Nancy said, "Well, yes, I am." And the lady said, "But you seem so nice." <laughs> right. So I I know that there are people who get who take one snapshot of what I do and they they don't believe that I'm capable of agreeing disagreeably. But I've debated I've debated a number of people in I, in I think you mean disagree agreeably. <laughs> did, I, did I flip it? Yeah, you flipped it. I, just, I don't want that to stand because I didn't think you meant that. <laughs> A little was that okay? Go after me on, on a Freudian level. You know, <laughs> <laughs> wanted to agree, disagree, but that's what we're doing. Um, what we're doing. So, so I've I've debated a number of people, atheists, and and when I've debated them, including Christopher Hitchens and and people like that, and I just you know I have no problem loving them, interacting with them, um, being friendly with them. I, I don't go in loaded for bear on a personal level because I think you're right. I, I believe that we should be speaking the truth of love. Our speech should be gracious, seasoned with salt. But I want to keep coming back to what is the pattern in Scripture? Was the speech of Jesus seasoned with salt? Was his speech gracious, seasoned with salt? Was the Apostle Paul's speech gracious, seasoned with salt? Because some of the things they say, I've not ever gotten to the level of being willing to say in my most, you know, I'm not there yet. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I understand that, but I'm going to make it personal here for just a moment. And first okay. of all, it uh, it was something that you wrote that I watched 
It was about our business and it got no traction. So I didn't, I didn't do anything with it. If I had wanted to do something with it, it would have been direct. And now I'm doing that, but not for the sake of dealing with it, but rather citing an example of an alternative solution. Uh, You um, noted uh, that we have begun selling Novare science curriculum. And one of the things, in spite of the fact that it is uh, uh, promoted as, and I believe is effectively a Christian science curriculum, it has adopted an element that I would say falls way outside of orthodoxy. And it's the idea of theistic evolution that authors have embraced. Right. You noted that things were happening of a derogatory nature or a deter- uh, maybe deleterious or deteriorating nature, uh, even at Veritas, as a result of having adopted that science curriculum. But here's what was on our website when you wrote that. Disclaimer. That's part of it. It wasn't just a disclaimer. It actually says disclaimer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, This book contains views on theistic evolution, which are contrary to the creationist view, which Veritas teaches as true. However, it remains one of the best curricula on science for classical education. There is is and has been and will continue to be for some period of time within the classical Christian school community, uh, the adoption of secular books, which are far worse I understand that you could fuss about those too, and I wouldn't blame you for doing it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, that strikes me as a very reasonable thing to do. Have that book, have teachers who use that book understand where we're coming from, and recognize that some people will miss it, some people will actually agree with them and not with us. But why is that not a reasonable thing? And as it relates to maybe a Tim Keller and how he handles the homosexual community or handled the homosexual community in New York City, why not hear from them directly and understand more of what they're dealing with? I would say that between you and me, I probably have more of a sense of what he's doing there. And frankly, I think for the most part, I wouldn't say he's perfect, but for the most part, I think he's done a really good job of ministering to that community. And I think that your objection to it has been counterproductive to him doing that. Okay. So two things, and you're going to have to refresh my memory on part of this. Um, I'm I'm assuming from how you set this up uh, in the thing that I wrote about Navari, uh, the Navari curriculum that I didn't cite or link to Veritas's disclaimer. You made no mention of it that I have ever seen. Okay. It was, a blog, so I, it was a blog post. I think you could find it pretty easily because I think there are enough keywords there that would, that there are going to be many things that are going to have that. So be easy to find. Yeah. You mentioned several school, several businesses selling it, mentioned us. And of course, uh, for the audience's sake, you have my cell phone, you have my email, you have my wife's cell phone, and you probably have my kid's cell phone. You know how to get a hold of it. It's not a problem. Right. And it was, right. it was, quite frankly, in that sense, to make your point, it was a misrepresentation. From my vantage point, it struck me as a misrepresentation of who right. you were. So um, when I did that, I, rem- I went through the Novari. Um, I looked at the Novari textbook, right, yep. and was interacting with that. If I didn't link to your disclaimer, it was because I didn't know about it. And my apologies for not knowing about it. Okay, so I'm not 
um, I'm not trying to put you into a corner that you don't actually occupy. Well, let me let me let me say something to the audience that you already know. Okay. I initiated a conversation while on the board of ACCS, first with you and then with the board, of my concern of the creeping element of theistic evolution that I saw coming because I had a little bit of advance notice on it curricularly, and I saw some of the players in BioLogos and that sort of thing. What was particularly right. disturbing was you chose to call us out with all of that knowledge, and that that struck me as quite disingenuous. Now, this I don't want this to become personal because I wasn't no. personally hurt by it, and I don't want the audience here to think that that's what I'm doing. What I'm saying is that part of the process of using uh, an attack, maybe a mockery, maybe uh, that kind of mentality, sometimes requires having more information than we do if it's easily uh, attained. And in this case, it was. Right. So I remember that conversation with you, which is one of the reasons um, where we were serving at the time on the AC ACCS board together. And you expressed concern, and I agreed at the inroads that theistic evolution was making in our circles. Yeah. Okay. So I, I remember that conversation and can testify to it. That was why I was surprised that you were carrying a textbook that, you know, that was exhibit A of this sort of thing. Now, if, if you had, um, had I known about the, your, your qualification, we teach the students that this is, this pages 72 to, you know, 105 is, is nonsense. Just like we, we have a bunch, we have pagan literature yeah. in our, right? Uh, so when we teach Ovis Metamorphoses or we teach Plato, uh, I have no problem with, uh, well, at New St. Andrews, we have the students read Darwin's Origin of Species. Right. You know, we, so we, we deal in primary sources and stuff. So the fact that you have uh, interaction with the textbook that teaches something you and I believe to be a, a real threat is not in itself a problem. And if you, if you recognize it and you've not changed your mind on theistic evolution and you said that said so plainly on your website and I missed it, then I, I owe you an apology for that. And I will, and I will go back and uh, correct it. Well, I'm not concerned about you correcting it. Frankly, it might raise more uh, questions you can if you want to. I don't care. The point, though, is not uh, that you missed something with me uh, in an instance, but it, it provided me an opportunity to, to have a conversation with you about a different approach. I don't right. know. I don't live in Tim Keller's shoes. But I understand him to have had what appears to me to be a, a very effective ministry in New York City. Uh, Tim says a lot of things that I wouldn't agree with. I don't think that the gospel starts in the city and goes to the country. I think it works the other way around. Uh, you know, things like that uh, are, are things that I've heard Tim espouse. That he, he's thinking that uh, we're going to, you know, that he wants to see models of what he's done in, in various cities, and then it spreads out from there. I, mm -hmm. I, I think it gets it in reverse. Uh, and, and I know that's not commonly held, and, and I'm not here to defend it because it would go down a trail, but I expect you understand it and probably agree. The point, yeah. though, 
is, uh, and I'm in a little bit of danger here of saying something that I know in confidence, but frankly, you don't have, as best I know, you don't have what I would consider to be a healthy relationship. In fact, I guess you don't have any relationship with Tim Keller. And that's a shame. Yeah. I think you could learn from each other. And I right. think you don't learn from each other because of the rhetorical approach that you've taken to citing him. Except that when, well, let me, let me back up because we're talking about Keller now. Uh, just last week, um, I circulated to our elder board an article by Tim Keller on church growth and church size, some polity, uh, an article that I read that I thought was full of good, shrewd insight. I circulated it to our elders and said, this is something we want to be thinking about. I'm not, I don't treat Keller as an enemy. Okay. Don't treat him as, don't treat him as an enemy. Um, I also believe that he has done good work in Manhattan. I think he's done, and he's, um, uh, there's much about his ministry that I would applaud. Okay. At the same time, I don't think that he is um, as um, stalwart on some issues as he could be. I don't think, you know, things like, um, they don't have they they've done an end around on women being deacons in their church in their churches that I don't think is really on the up and up because the PCA doesn't allow it and they've they've devel- developed a, uh, a workaround things like that that I object to so when but when I name Tim Keller by name I don't re- I don't treat him as being uh, on the side of the of the orcs and the balrog you know he's he's on our side and i've got differences with him so when you when we uh, when we were talking uh i just so we put this into the same thing i looked up the article the blog post on novaria science and what i um the conversation we're having is about mockery you know belligerence and the sentence where I, the one I found was Novari Science is a science curriculum that is now commonly used in classical Christian schools. Published by Classical Academic Press, it is also carried by both Veritas Press and Memoria Press. That is a good chunk of the classical Christian publishing world right there. That's all right. And then I, uh, in the next paragraph, I say, given that men like Tim Keller and Michael Horton are cool by Logos, which is probably my central beef with Tim Keller is the is the theistic evolution um, thing. I'm saying he's on that side of that issue. And I think it's a big, I think it's a big issue. So in in that, I wasn't mocking Veritas Press for yeah, I, that would that would not be an example of mockery as much as it would be uh, a category of treating your friends as enemies. That's not an enemy. It's, well, I'm, I'm saying it's an item of concern. So what, what I when I uh, said um, uh, when I wrote this this particular blog post in 2020, what I was talking about was um, a classical Christian downgrade uh, that I was concerned about in our circles. Yep, I I absolutely don't consider Veritas Press to be an enemy. I don't consider Tim Keller to be an enemy. I consider 
Tim Keller to be on the wrong side of certain key issues of our day. So just like the Apostle Paul, again in Galatians, didn't treat Peter uh, as an enemy, but he confronted him at Antioch. Now, you know, he's confronted him to his face because of what he was doing, but that doesn't make him an enemy. That just... Uh, we're talking Agreed. now, Agreed. or we're we're talking now on, on from two sides of the fence, but we're not we're not enemies, you know. We're but we're articulating two different points of view. So when it comes to um, me and Tim Keller not having a, a relationship, or these uh, some of the others that I've interacted with, one of the things that is, um, I I think your viewers, listeners might be interested in hearing is that when various uh, controversies have, have erupted and someone in the evangelical world accuses us of something, right? Um, being a racist being a racist or uh, uh, a pedophile enabler, some slander, you know, some slander. One of the things we've consistently done is we've contacted that person and invited them to come out here on our dime and address our people say whatever they want to say. You know, we, we, we are happy to have a personal relationship with you. We have offered to fly for, you know, without, public, without publicizing it at all. We've offered to fly to different places to have a behind-the-scenes behind meeting. Those are with, good things. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we've pursued it. We've done that over and over and over again. The people who are refusing to do it are the moderate, all-you-need-is-love Christians. The, the, the Christians who are pursuing these sorts of relationships, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to Tim Keller face-to-face. I'd love to talk to Russell Moore face-to-face. I'd love to talk to these people. I'd, I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, but um, when we uh, set up conditions where they risk nothing in terms of bad PR, um, we'll do it openly, we'll do it privately, we'll do it you know, we'll do it any number. We'll do. We'll pay for everything. Um, the people who say um, all you need is love are the ones who are refusing to do that. Yeah. Well, I, that I, I don't disagree with that, and that's uh, 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 another topic that that we could go very deep yeah. into as well. Yeah. Uh, but another uh, an, another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it was not my purpose in these two uh, sessions, uh, these two episodes, to convince you. Better people than I have tried to convince you that uh, this has a counterproductive element that is uh, uh, outweighing the benefit on the, on the balance. Uh, I do believe that we have taken an approach at Veritas to operate very differently. And we've done that. Some of it, uh, quite frankly, has to do with uh, uh, when we had uh, our hiatus away from the Reformed Church in a broadly evangelical church, I learned something there that I hadn't learned in any of my Reformed Church experiences, and that was a love for the lost that I hope the Reformed Church can recover this was a church that was literally baptizing more than 500, believe, 500 believers' baptisms a year. 
He didn't practice infant baptism, but many of those were conversions. And I see the approach that I'm asking, that I'm talking about with you is counterproductive to that happening within uh, our communities. It simply doesn't draw the lost and it doesn't provide a comprehensive sense of what I think the beauty of the gospel is at its heart. Uh, part of the problem, the th- um, most of the Reformed uh, churches that brand new Christians, uh, you know, someone would not feel comfortable worshiping in, it has nothing to do with satire or mockery. <laughs> it has to do with the music. It has to do with you know, um, it has to do with other aspects of the worship. Right. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. Right. No doubt. Uh, right. And and so uh, here in Moscow, we're actively up to our waist in evangelistic efforts, and you know, we, so it's not like uh, we're um, have no concern for the lost. But when we when someone if if we do a down we have we have participated in a down and outer ministry where the people were feeding we have a we've had a meal with Jesus sort of thing where the people who come to the meal on a weekly basis are either just out of prison or on the way to prison you know, um, and when those people uh, are converted they they generally don't want to come to a, a church service where we're singing 17th century um, <laughs> Geneva. Genevan uh, songs, which we're doing for a reason, right. but you know there, there are there are various cultural hurdles, right? Um, and the the thing that the the thing that we have to understand, I think we that we have to grasp, is that love for the lost, love for God, love for His Word, are not things that can be um, uh, commodified and packaged in any PR way. Yeah. Right. It's if it's if it's real, if you're if you're a real person who really loves God and who really loves the person you're talking to, that's going to get through at some point. Right. No doubt. Well, I I appreciate your time again. I, I want to close with something here and I'll give you a chance okay. to respond. Also, uh, I wrote this so that I could uh, get it right. Uh, Doug is controversial. Sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes it's not. Regardless of our differences in how we should approach public discourse, it remains the case that anyone who has enjoyed the benefit of the resurgence of classical Christian education owes him a great debt of gratitude. I am one. And I want to be the first to say it, stand in line and say thank you. Marlon, you're welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you. And uh, despite our disagreements, Our friendship remains intact. Amen. Thank you. Amen. God bless.